Ride Ever Stride, Episode 3. Welcome to Ride Every Stride with Van Hargis. This is a podcast about horsemanship and more. Our goal is to educate, motivate, inspire, and entertain you through an exploration of everything horsemanship and the intersection of horsemanship and humanship. My name is Laura McClellan, and I'm your co-host on Ride Every Stride, and I'm here with Master Horseman Van Hargis, and we're going to be continuing a series that we started in the last episode about the absolute basic criterion of horsemanship. Did I get that right? Absolutely, you did. And so last episode, we talked about the first of those, but remind listeners, or in case somebody has joined us for the first time, what are the ABCs? The ABCs are forward movement, Laura, the control of forward movement, and lastly, the stopping of forward movement. And then, of course, today we're going to concentrate a little bit more on the control of forward movement. Okay, so in in the previous episode, folks that didn't pick up until now, they can go back and find out what you had to say about forward movement. Yes. So what do you want to tell us today about the control of Well, the control movement? of forward movement. Man, I tell you, to me, Laura, it really comes down to two things. You know, when we talk about control of forward movement, we're really concerned more about directional control. If I want to go left or if I want to go right. And then, of course, there's also the speed control. And the speed control tends to concern people a lot. You know, their biggest concern is that their horse is going to bolt away or run off with them and be out of control there. So what we're going to focus on today is the control of that forward movement. How do we get our horses to go left? How do we get them to go right? What are the hand aids and the, and the leg aids? In other words, what are our cues to tell the horses which direction we want to go in and then how fast we want to get there? So that's going to be our focus. And so let's start, if you would, with getting your horses to turn. You know, one of the biggest questions that I get is, is that, you know, they want their horses to be communicating off your leg. And so the question is, if, Mr. Hargis, if I want to go left, which leg do I use? Do I use my left leg or do I use my right leg? And my answer oftentimes confuses them. So, well, it kind of depends on what kind of turn you want. Because we have to realize that our legs do control our horses to a certain extent, but it also kind of works in conjunction with what our hands are doing. And one of the things I teach my students at home on the ranch is, is that our hands control primarily what happens to our horses from, say, the shoulders forward. And our legs control what goes on with our horses from the shoulders backwards. And when I say shoulders, I'm really speaking more specifically about the wither area. So our hands control from the withers forward, our legs control from the withers back. So let's say, Laura, that if I want to control my horse and, and say, walk a circle to the left, I've got to ask myself, what sort of circle do I want? If I'm actually doing a circle and, a, and I'm doing a turn into that circle, I really want my horse to be arched, if you will, his body to be arced in the almost the exact same radius as the circle that I'm walking. So, for example, if I'm, I want to adjust my reins then to have this arch in my horse's neck to almost match the circle that I'm walking, which means that I want to have my horses, if I'm walking a circle to the left, I want to have my horse's head tilted from the withers forward slightly to the left. I often tell my riders that if I'm riding, I want to be able to see maybe just the corner of that horse's left eye. What do I do with my hands to make that happen? I may have to pick up a little bit more on my left rein and kind of draw it back to me a little bit. At the same time, maybe extend the right rein. And again, I wish there was some absolute answer to that, but I always tell everybody, the the thing about horse training is the only absolute is that there are no absolutes. So there is no magic place I've got to put my hands. I've just got to constantly make those adjustments with both my right hand and my left hand to achieve that bend in my horse's body that I want. 
Meanwhile, that again is going to control from the shoulders forward or from the withers forward. And meanwhile, my legs at that stage is driving the horse forward, pushing the horse forward with my legs is to keep that forward momentum going. But if I'm going to get my horse to go to the left, I like to tell people to, to use your legs in such a way that, uh, well, let me just give you this analogy, Laura. If I was to walk up behind you and tap you on your left shoulder, which way are you most likely to look? To my left. Sure. Because something got your attention over there, right? And mm-hmm. so unless somebody's always playing practical jokes on you and somebody comes and taps you on your left shoulder, you're more inclined to look to your left when they tap. So think in mind then when we're, when we're guiding our horses forward, if I want my horse to look to the left and kind of keep his body arched to the left, then oftentimes my left leg is going to apply a little bit more pressure than my right leg in such a way that I just want to get the horse's attention. Any time that the horse tries to get his nose from left back to straight, I just simply squeeze a little bit more of that left leg, just enough to, again, get his attention to the left. Why do I do that? Because it takes a little bit less pressure off his mouth with my bit or whatever it is, whatever apparatus I'm riding with. It just takes a little bit of pressure off the horse. In other words, that left leg now just becomes a little bit of a reminder. Hey, keep your head to the left. Meanwhile, my, the rest of my body and my, my right leg as well as my body and my seat is driving the horse forward. So we've got the forward movement and then the left comes from the subtle reminder with our left leg and the subtle reminder with our left hand. Okay. Now that's also getting a horse to concentrate a lot more on just doing a bending circle. In other words, just a bend traveling to the left. But what if that situation, like for example, in rainers and in cutters and, and in our ranch work, maybe if we want a horse to really spin and come a little bit more off our indirect leg, which is going to be my right leg, I'm still going to the left, so my hands are going to be in such a position to keep my horse's nose to the left, but my legs are going to change. I'm going to use my legs now as if I'm opening closing gates. So if I want my horse to go to the left, then I'm going to open my left leg away from the horse, creating a gap between my foot as well as the horse's rib cage. And now I'll apply pressure with my outside leg, my right leg. And in doing that, Laura, it's going to open up an opportunity for this horse now to to move his shoulders to the left. In other words, he's following my hands going to the left, and he's just moving away from pressure with my right leg. So we always have to remember that what we want from our horses, we've got to stop and pause for a moment and think, what do I do to create an opening for the horse to go where I want him to go? And that's why I want to use both my hands, my or actually all three, my hands, my reins, and my legs as a means of opening closing gates. I just have to know where I want my horse to go and then what gate I need to open and what gate I need to close in order for that to happen. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, if I'm understanding it right, when you're talking about directional component of controlling forward movement, it's about teaching them to move away from pressure or they do that naturally? To some degree, yeah, horses do move away from pressure naturally to a certain degree, unless, of course, they're being attacked. (laughs) You know, because if they're being attacked, they're actually going to lean into pressure because they don't want their skin and muscle to tear. So they're going to actually push into it. But in most cases, yeah, horse's first instinct is just to move away. So So in our training process, even all the way back down to our halter training and our round pin training, that's part of our goal. Matter of fact, in my round pin work, I tell everybody the first thing I teach a horse is always seek the path of least resistance. In other words, always move away from pressure. Because if I do that and enforce that so much on the ground, it really makes it easy for the horse to understand when they're in the saddle because it's a learned behavior stemming off of what their natural behavior is. And so what you're saying is you're using that plus you also have to give them somewhere to go. If you're if you've taught them to move away from the pressure, you've got to give them somewhere to go. Absolutely. 
So in other words, let's go to our riding again. If I'm riding, I want my horse to go perfectly straight. It just makes good sense if I want to go straight. I've got equal pressure with both legs and equal pressure with both reins or lack thereof with both reins. So we're just kind of creating a, an alleyway, if you will, for this horse to travel. And sometimes I look at it in, in an analogy too, to help people better understand what our legs, the purpose of our legs and how our legs kind of help our horses. Keep in mind that our motor, the, all the energy from the horse and traveling forward all comes from behind. It all comes from the hind quarter. So I like to look at that as, let's look at that as if it's a river. So I've got all this water back behind me and it's flowing down the river toward the horse's face. In other words, in this case, toward the bridle, because that's how we control the flow of the horse is through our reins and through our bridle. So if that's the case, then what's the purpose of our legs? Your legs are like the banks of the river. So the horse is flowing from behind you between your legs, but more so than the banks of the river. I like to look at my legs as not just being the banks, but more specifically, big rocks on the banks of the river. So if I want to go perfectly straight, I've got a left rock and a right rock. They're both equally the same size, and that water is constantly flowing between them and going straight ahead, right into the bit. But if I want to go to the left, it makes sense to me then that maybe that rock doesn't need to be so big. Maybe I can move that rock out of the water a little bit, move it a little bit further up on the bank. So now the flow from behind me will naturally go a little bit more to the left as opposed to the right because it's still moving away from the big giant rock on the right and it's following the path of least resistance to the left. And so to sort of get out of the analogy into the practical, you're saying you, you're taking the left leg off. Off the horse's ribcage. And then at the same time, the right leg still exists. So we don't really have to add pressure with the right leg. We just simply have to give the horse a place to go with the left. Now, of course, if the horse doesn't take that invitation, so to speak, now we can apply more pressure with the right leg. One of the best trainers that I've ever worked with used to tell me all the time, Van, you know, we're always striving to get our horses to be lighter and more responsive. So if a horse can move away from pressure, then why can't they move to where there is no pressure? So that's what he was referring to, is that if I'm riding my horse and I want my horse to go perfectly straight, I've got equal pressure with both legs on either side of his rib cage. If I want him to go to the left, then I've got to give him a place to go. So I just take the left leg off just ever so slightly. Now, whenever I say ever so slightly, I really want to emphasize we don't have to over-exaggerate. That's what I was wondering. So yeah. should I mean, my I've, left leg be yeah. just like clear out there? And yeah, because <laughs> I've seen some people, man, get that left leg out there. Ear level, man. It's way out there, same, <laughs> sticking out as far as their ear would be. But we have to realize, though, that's not going to help them anymore. I mean, in our society, you know, us Americans, you know, we're, we're the type of. And one of the things I ask people all the time is, is that, you know, have you ever read a back of an aspirin bottle? Yeah. So if you've got a headache, how many aspirin are you supposed to take? One or two. One or two. On and that. how many people take four or five? Oh, this is a really bad headache. I'd have four or five. Well, the same thing happens with a horse is that, you know, here we are. We want the horse to go straight. Therefore, I'm going to move my leg off a little bit. That's not going to work. I want to move a lot, so I'm going to move my leg off a lot. Well, horses don't really get into that. And besides that, we don't want to ever put ourselves into a situation to where our posture is so poor or we're exaggerating our posture so much that we're imbalancing the horse and we're jeopardizing our safety by being out of position. So the most important thing for us to do is always maintain our position of advantage, which just means kind of being in a much more neutral position. So that leg movement just needs to be very subtle. Just give them a little bit of room to move that direction to the left. And if need be, then we can increase the size of the rock or increase the size of the pressure with our right leg to get the horse to flow to the left. Meanwhile, again, our hands have done nothing more than kind of create an alleyway, if you will, between the reins to travel in the direction that we want him to go. And again, the hardest part about this is for us just to figure out where do we want to go? 
Yeah. And then once we figure it out, then we think, well, how do we want him to go there? Do we want him to, to go there more off this hind quarter? In other words, moving his shoulders more to the left, or we want him to, to drive more into a bending type of circle. So, and when people ask that question, well, what would it be a bending type of circle versus another type of turn? For example, if I'm, say, going to go bend around a barrel or bend around an obstacle of some sort, then I want the horse to literally bend around it as opposed to flow toward it. In other words, if I try to pick up the horse's shoulders toward the obstacle, he's going to bump the obstacle with his left rib cage or his left shoulder. So I really want him to bend around that obstacle, just kind of turn casually around it. If I need him to do more of a direct turn, then that's where I would open up that left leg and, and offer the pressure with the right leg, get the horse to go there. Meanwhile, I if I'm going to do the more of the bending turn, that left leg has got to stay there. The left leg has got to prevent that rib cage from coming to the left. So I'm just driving the horse forward. So we have to very much understand what sort of turn we want, what do we want to try to achieve with our horse, and that'll determine what our leg aid is as well as what our hand cues are. And what is the hand cue? I mean, if you're turning, do you need to turn the horse's nose? I've heard you talk about the first thing is looking where you want to go, and then Absolutely. you're doing with whatever with your legs, yeah. and do you turn the horse's nose? Or Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, we really want the horses to learn to kind of follow their nose. It's easy for us that if we want to go left, it's easy for us to look left. Much later, and we'll go into this later when we're talking into much more refined type training, we can do what we call counterbending, when the horse is actually looking to the right, but yet our legs and our bodies driving the the horse to the left. But in this case, when we're very first talking about directional control, we want the horse to kind of follow his nose. So if I might get the horse to go to the left, then I'm going to position my hands in such a way that the horse can literally, I want to bend the horse's nose to the point where he can literally follow his nose. But you know, then comes the question, well, how do we position our hands? Well, I'm going to be talking in, in first about riding with a, a two-handed bit or a two-handed apparatus of some sort. So let's, let's look at having your left rein in your left hand, your right rein in your right hand, now, if you will, I want you to imagine that your reins are creating an alleyway from your hands all the way to the bit. And again, keep in mind, we're, we've got this energy flowing from behind us, from the horse's hind quarter, and we want to drive that energy between our hands and then in that alleyway toward that bit, okay? So if I want to go to the left, I'm merely just going to adjust that alleyway slightly to the left so that as I'm driving this horse forward into that funnel, or into that alleyway, I'm just guiding his body between my hands and in that curved alleyway that's leading him to the left. So that's the best way I can kind of think of to describe it is use our hands and use our reins as a funnel in which to pour that energy from behind us into the funnel and in the direction that we want to travel. And so is there uh, more to the directional aspect of this, directional control aspect, or are we going to be ready to talk about the speed that's control? That's pretty much that's what I want to hear about. Yeah, the speed control. Well, Pretty much the directional control, that's about as simple as we can make it. And later in future episodes, and these may be way down the track, as we begin to talk about refining communication and really getting ultimate control of our horse's entire body, then we'll talk about doing some other things such as the counter bending I was mentioning a moment ago. Because the reality is, is that I don't want to scare people with this, but I just want to realize that how we really guide a horse is not necessarily by their nose. That's the way we kind of train them is to kind of get them to, to learn to follow their nose. The reality is, though, Laura, is that we really guide a horse by their shoulders. Mm. Because I've had horses literally with their noses almost in my lap and them still going in a direction I wasn't really wanting them to go. So, And that's kind of what we call rubber-necked horses, horses that are really bend their noses and bend their, sh their neck in such a way 
but yet their body is still straight and their body's going to go where their shoulders are going. So we just have to learn later, and, I'll, and again, I'll talk about that in a great detail in much later episodes, about how to gain better control of our shoulders. But even what I'm talking about now, the simple, basic directional control, that is, in a way, a not-so-refined version of shoulder control. Because I'm still getting the horse to go to the left, and then um, if I want the horse to do a more of a turn on his hind quarter, in other words, coming off the indirect leg, then that's still shoulder control. It's just more, much more of an abrupt type of turn. And again, we will go into that in much greater detail. So... For now, let's go ahead and skip on up then to the speed control, because that's another part of the controlling a forward movement, isn't it? The speed control is something that I think most people get concerned about, because they, they're really scared to death that a horse is going to run off with them, or even worse to me, more frustrating to me, is when I cannot get a horse to go. Yeah. And I'm going I'm to tell you a really quick story and why getting a horse to go is so important. You know, in, in my world, my horses have a very practical purpose. Several years ago, I had gone out in the pasture and I was going to check the cows. And as I was checking the cows, we had a newborn baby calf. Back then, we, I was always notorious for having a notepad in my, in my pocket and a pen. And the saddle bag that I had on the saddle always had ear tags and, and a tagging gun so I could t- ear tag my calves. So I go out there and I just noticed that the cow that had this calf is a really a mean cow. I mean, especially if she had a baby, she was just overly protective of her baby. But when I went out there to check it, then the mom's way away. And I thought, oh, here's my perfect opportunity to jump off this horse, ear tag this calf and jump back on and write down all the information about it and be nice and safe. So I do. I go up to the calf, jump off really fast, ear tag it, write down the ear tags number on my notepad. But as I'm writing the information in my notepad, that mama cow starts running over there to me and the horse. When I realize she's going to come at me and not just kind of shoosh me off, but she's literally coming at the horse, I pick up the reins and I start trying to push the horse out and, you know, drive him away from that situation. And um, I couldn't get him to go. He just started just walking off haphazardly as if he didn't give a flying flip about this cow running in behind him. So, of course, I'm kicking on him more and he just gradually speeds up a little bit. But the cow's coming at us faster than he's leaving. Long story short, she butts him and she's got his head now between his back legs and he's just she's just ramming him. And I'm on top just kind of going along for the ride. Well, she keeps pushing so hard and butting him so hard that he eventually falls down. And of course, I'm still on top. So now I've got a 1,200-pound horse with a 1,200-pound cow all on top of me just fighting this thing out. And the thing is, it was a pretty hairy situation for a moment, obviously. Well, finally, the cow left and went Did back Did you survive? To oh, I, I'm here. I'm survived. <laughs> It was a pretty hairy situation. But luckily, the cow finally had enough of beating us up and went back to check on her calf. And I got back on the horse, and at first I was pretty pissed. I was like, man, I can't believe this horse just, you know, no matter what, I was, he was ignoring me, kicking on him, and trying to get him to drive away. And basically, I just had him, I tolerated him being too gentle and too lazy. That's what it really boiled down to. So I was aggravated at the horse, but the more I thought about it, I was more aggravated at me, because I knew that this horse was this way. I knew that he was lazy, but I, I, I thought, what am I going to do to change this? And I had to get him to be more responsive. I had to get him to where he would so-called get off the tracks. I mean, it was a situation literally that we were on the tracks and the train was coming and I couldn't get him to see the urgency of moving. But again, I couldn't blame him because I had trained him to be so docile and I had trained him to be so tolerant and trained him to, I basically over desensitized him. So I had to kind of resensitize him, get him to the spot where he would be more responsive so that we could get better control of forward movement, getting that speed control. And that goes back to the last episode, because if you don't have forward movement. Oh, absolutely. If you don't have forward movement, you know, in this case, beef things can happen. I just had a cow enema, so to speak. I mean, it was crazy how this cow was ramming his horse in the butt with her head. 
But nonetheless, I had to get Joe, that was the horse's name, had to get him to realize that when I give you the cue to go, I need you to go. And he doesn't need to ask why, doesn't need to tell me how lazy he is or whatever. We just need it. We need that forward movement. So in this case, I really had to get assertive with my legs. And I, I exercise the thing with my horses and all my students that with your legs, I want you to practice what we call a squeeze, bump, kick, and kill. And the kill thing usually gets people's attention. Oh my God, you're going to kill this horse. No, but I want him to think that I will if he doesn't move. Just like another horse would do. Uh, another horse in the very beginning when they're training other horses to be responsive to them, oftentimes the first cue that they may give them is nothing more than maybe than just a turn of an ear. And then there might be a threat of a bite. And then there might be the bite. Then the horse might wheel around and kick. And by the time they get to the point they're really kicking on them, they're really trying to get this horse to think in your mind that if you don't move, I'm threatening to kill you. So I want that same philosophy in the saddle with my horses. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to squeeze with both legs to get this horse to go forward. If he does, great. If he doesn't, then I'm going to bump him. If he still doesn't, then I'm going to kick him pretty darn good. If he still doesn't, I'm going to bring my legs out as far as I can and try to break his rib cage. Now, everybody knows that you can't do that, but I want the horse to think that I'm that committed to get this horse to go. And I'll keep turning up the pressure until I finally get the response that I want. Well, in Joe's case, I finally got him to the spot of me being very persistent like that to squeeze, bump, kick, and then kill to the spot where he understood that when I squeezed him, that if he didn't respond, the more severe thing was coming and, and so on and so forth. Eventually, it got to the point where I could just almost think, move, and he would move. When I wanted him to go from a walk to a trot, same process, squeeze, bump, kick, and kill. And when I wanted him to go from a trot to a canter, pretty much the same process. After a while, the horse got very used to the language. He understood it very carefully. And as a result, he became much more responsive. But now let's look at it that once we get the horse moving, what most people are more concerned about is not so much getting the horse moving. They're worried about the horse moving too fast. How do I get him to slow down? Well, we have to understand that every gait that the horse has, has a rhythm to it. For example, a walk is a four beat rhythm. So we want that walk. We want to feel that. We also want the horse to understand that the reason that he is moving is that we are in rhythm with him and that we are actually creating the rhythm. So there's something that I tell people all the time that I want the horses to understand that the only reason they're moving is because I'm making them move. We don't hold them back. We drive them forward, just like a vehicle. Why is that significant, or why is that important with respect to horses? Because it's paramount to our safety. Number one, there's not a bit out there in the world that can stop a horse. No matter how hard you pull, no matter if he doesn't understand the language, or if he's fearful enough, he might just run through that bit so to speak. I mean, he, he could do that. So we have to realize is, is that we need more communication to him than for him to be, and for us to be just dependent on that bit. So to me, the first thing we want the horse to understand is the only reason you're going forward is that I'm making you go forward. I'm in rhythm with you. I'm creating the rhythm. And, the, and again, in the walk, it's a four beat rhythm. So my body is in rhythm and it's creating that movement. Therefore, the horse's first cue to stop is that when I quit making you go, then you're allowed to slow down or you're allowed to stop. So we just have to realize that, that that rhythm and that lack of rhythm communicates to the horse very specifically what it is that we want. And the same thing happens to the trot. So once we get the horse understanding the walk, then we're going we're gonna to change our rhythm to a two-beat rhythm. And we're going to squeeze the horse forward into that trot rhythm. And that trot rhythm being a two-beat, we want to be the ones that will determine the speed of that. And we can adjust that speed by, yes, using the bit to a certain degree, but again, we want the horse to understand that we're pushing him into the speed that we want. If the horse goes too fast at that case, in the training situation and in a controlled environment, as long as I'm not the one kind of making the horse go that fast, oftentimes I will let them go that fast. I will let them realize they're working entirely too hard. 
So I let their instinct to conserve their energy work to my advantage. After a while, though, I might make it more difficult for him to travel at the speed that he wants. And what I might do is I might just turn him. So I just might turn him slightly. If he's still too fast, I might turn him even more until eventually he's working in such a small circle that it's very hard for him to maintain the speed that he thinks he wants to travel. All the while, though, Laura, I've got to realize that it's me that's creating the the rhythm. So I've got to ask myself the entire time if my horse is going too fast, I've got to ask myself, am I doing something that is encouraging the movement? If it is, I've got to change what it is that I'm doing. I've got to slow my rhythm down. Oftentimes, I just have to slow my mind down slow my breathing down, slow my rhythm down, and then let the horse be invited to come down to that slower rhythm. If he doesn't, then I'll use my other resources. In this case, maybe the bit. I can pick up on the reins and maybe offer more resistance in front of him, or I can encourage more turning. And the reason the turning is because it just makes it, we're just like turning a car. In order for us to maintain the same speed whenever we're turning a vehicle, we oftentimes have to press on the accelerator. But the opposite is true. Sometimes if we want to slow a vehicle down, we can actually turn the steering wheel and that resistance on the rubber, the resistance on the on the pavement will be enough resistance to slow the vehicle down. The same thing happens with a horse is that now that momentum of going forward is altered into a turn and the horse will oftentimes slow down. And so that's one good way that we can help control their feet and help control their speed is just by offering more resistance in their face as well as maybe offering more options for the horse to turn. On this issue, you've talked about establishing the rhythm, that you're the one doing that. And I think you talked about that in the previous episode um, in terms of, of how to get the forward movement and all that sort of thing. But in case somebody hasn't listened to that yet, what is it that you're doing to establish the rhythm? What, how do you do that? Well, first of all, we have to feel the horse. In other words, that four-beat rhythm for a walk, for example, that's literally us just kind of moving in rhythm. And it's hard to describe unless you're actually sitting in the saddle, but you're actually moving in rhythm with that horse. And at the same time, you're squeezing and applying pressure with your legs. Remember, our legs control from the withers back. So as we squeeze on the horse's rib cage or as we kick on the horse's rib cage, we're creating that rhythm in such a way that's driving that horse forward. So it's just the rhythm. It's just rocking with the horse, but not in an exaggerated state. Because anybody that's ever watched me ride, they don't see me move in the saddle very much. But yet I'm in rhythm with a horse. I'm pushing with my hips, driving that horse forward with my hips and my body. But again, not to the point to where it's exaggerated and you see a whole lot of movement. You're just literally just moving your hips in rhythm with a horse. At a trot, it's the exact same thing. In the trot, we're working in a sense of working with both the forward propulsion, but we're also working in rhythm with a horse's hips moving left and right. For example, if the horse's left hind leg is on the ground, his left hip is going to be higher, which that affects our seat. So if we feel that, then now we can actually rock our hips in the saddle in a way to either speed up or slow down that rocking motion in the horse's hips. At the same time, our hips and our pelvis are working to work with both that rhythm of left and right as well as that rhythm of forward with a propulsion. So it's just a rhythm that people can feel in the saddle, but most importantly, we have to understand that we are the ones that are dictating that rhythm, that our horse's job is to respond to us. And sometimes that just takes hours and hours and hours in the saddle of us working together and developing that language between you and your horse to the point to where the communication is such that he understands when you're offering a little bit of resistance versus when you're offering an opportunity for him to travel a little bit faster. 
you kind of alluded earlier to the fact that this comes up a lot, that people are concerned, and I'm one of those, that with the horse, you know, running off, what do you say to people that say on this question of control of forward movement that the horse is going to take off with me and it wants to do that? And we may talk more about that in the next episode because I'm all about the stopping of forward movement because I'm a weenie. But are you saying that the horse is going to stop if you're not making it because the horse doesn't want to go? Well, the reality is that that's something that we as humans kind of twist in our minds. Oh, my horse just loves to run. And the reality is they don't. You've got to look at from their perspective. They've got this big, giant body with a little bitty, tiny fuel tank. You know, you've got a 1,200-pound body or more with a stomach that might hold about 12 pounds worth of content. So it's got a big body with very little energy. So we have to understand that the horse wants to work very conservatively, and we want to use that to our advantage. So why then would a horse go faster than what we're making him go? Anxiety. A lot of times we're doing things up there in the saddle. We're bumping and we're kicking and we're doing different things. Or maybe there might be some outside stimulus that has nothing to do with us. Maybe there's something over there startling the horse. So these are all about behavioral control. We'll talk about that in future episodes. But as far as just rhythm and forward motion control, we have to understand that that starts and stops with us. But, you know, I'm going to touch on your question you hit a little while ago. What's the name of our show? Ride Ride or Stride. So here's what gets me. We've got someone sitting in the saddle. And they're worried about the horse maybe going too fast. And they want to know how to control that. I'm thinking, don't worry about it. Ride every stride. It's not like he went from five miles an hour to 100 miles an hour in one stride. So at what point did he begin to go too fast that it was uncomfortable for you? If you ignore it for 20 or 30 or 40 strides or 20 or 30 or 40 minutes, then don't complain about it then. You should have complained (laughs) about it at the first step that he took that was too fast. If you want to go straight and the horse takes a step off to the left, don't wait until he runs off the road. Wait until he takes that first step and correct that one. Put him back on path. You know, there's something that I, I get tickled at when people ask me sometimes. They'll say, well, man, I've got a horse, and every time I get on him, he runs me underneath a tree. And, I, and, and they want to know how I can fix that. You know, how can I control my horse that he can't run into the tree? And my first question is always, I look him dead square in the eye and say, how did he get to the tree? <laughs> You know, or he rubs my leg against the fence. How did he get to the fence? You know, or he bolted away and he ran off with me. How did he get from the second stride to the third stride? At what point did you realize that your horse was out of control? Which is exactly why we titled our program what we did, which is Ride Every Stride. So you don't wait. We until don't wait a- until a wreck happens to fix it. We prevent the wreck. We give the horse an opportunity because how horses learn is through. The, the release of pressure, but they also learn through making mistakes. Our job is to correct the mistake. So the horse is walking along at the pace we ask him to walk, and he takes one or two strides too fast, I'm going to correct that. And I let him go. And he takes one or two steps too fast, and I correct that. And I let him go. And I'm giving him the opportunity to make that same mistake again and again and again. But over time, I'm going to correct it each and every time that he makes the mistake. Before long, the horse will understand my boundaries, and he'll understand every time I do this, Van corrects me. My job is to allow my horse to train me, and what I mean by that is he's going to train me to quit correcting him. I want the horse to go, you know what, watch this. I'm just going to keep walking at this old pace, and old Van is not going to touch me with that bit anymore. (laughs) <laughs> or if he's walking too slow and every time he goes too slow, I'm going to squeeze him and kick him up with my legs. I want the horse to say to me, hey, watch this. I'm going to train Van not to kick me with his legs. I'm just going to walk at this pace. So see, now don't we both win? The horse gets left alone and I get the speed that I want. So it's really about, I mean, it sounds to me like it's about the rider's got to be 
paying attention and be consistent in how he or she's responding each time the horse does whatever it is. That- yeah. Raise your standard and get specific. <laughs> you know, if I want the horse to trot, what speed do I want him to trot? And if it's too slow, fix it. If it's too fast, fix it. In other words, make those adjustments along the way. But believe me, your horse in time will learn to appreciate it. What he doesn't like, and this is what causes a lot of horses to be nervous and anxious, what he doesn't like is no boundaries. Because one minute he's trotting too fast, that's okay. The next minute he's trotting too slow, that's okay. So the horse doesn't really know what you want. He said, well, heck, if you don't know what you want, then I'm going to do what I want. And if those two things don't marry, then you know, it's not going to be a very enjoyable ride. Okay, so control of forward movement, directional and speed. Lots of things to think about there. Makes me want to go try and ride a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Next time we'll get on to the third element of the ABCs of horsemanship. But for now, I think we'll uh, let the listeners go with some reminders that if you have questions about this topic, be sure and let us know. Or if you've got suggestions for future topics, we want to hear from you. So you can send those questions to us via email at info at vanhargis.com. Or you can find Van Hargis Horsemanship on Facebook and be sure and like the page and leave a little post there. Introduce yourself and you can share your questions or your suggestions. Van, I know you really want to hear from Absolutely. I definitely want to hear. But first of all, I want to say thank you to everybody who does listen to our podcast, Laura. uh, And really from the depths of my heart, I'm so grateful because this is offering me an opportunity to practice my passion and practice my spiritual gift. So I do want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen and also want to encourage people. um, You know, we really like hearing from you. So get back in contact with us. We look forward to hearing from people. We look forward to talking to folks. So give us an opportunity to respond back and create a dialogue. Send in your questions. Get in contact with us uh, through email or in some shape, form, or fashion, get in contact with Van Harder's Horsemanship. We really want to hear from you. I especially would like to uh, have an opportunity to create a dialogue with you. You know, Lauren, until next time, I'd like to remind everybody to remember that it's your trail, it's your journey, and it's your life. So ride every stride.